I was a new driver, but not super, super new, but I knew how to handle ice for the most part. (laughs) And I just wasn't really paying too, too much attention. And I went around a curve and it was slippery and the curve was going to the right and I kept going to the left towards the edge of the mountain road that had no guardrail or anything. Happy Bike to Work Day, and welcome back to Drive With Us Podcast, a podcast where we explore driving cultures around the world by bringing on a new guest each episode to talk about the crazy things they've experienced on the road, who they are as drivers, and how they became the driver they are today. I'm Bafneet. And I'm Taranjeet. Be sure to tag us with your biking pics using the hashtag BikeWithUsToo. I'm curious to see... Well, I'm interested to see all your biking pics. But before we get into who today's driver is, a quick little plug because, you know, we shouldn't be afraid to ask for help, right? And feel free to forward past this small update if you're like, just give me the stories. I just want to hear the guests' crazy driving stories. Go ahead and skip past this update. But if you enjoy this show and would love to support us so we can continue to put out podcasts for you each and every week... You can buy us a coffee or become a patron on Patreon by searching for Drive With Us Podcast. We're putting the links for those in our show notes below. By becoming a patron, you'll get lots of bonuses and extra content. And depending on the tier that you select, you could get a DWAP sticker or air freshener episodes one week early and lots more. We are truly grateful for all your support, no matter if it's just listening to our episodes and sharing it with others, or if you choose to become a patron. Thank you for choosing to drive with us each and every week. Let's get into today's driver. Today's driver is Vanessa Hennessy, a communications professional, horse lover, and co-host of the Not Another X-Files podcast podcast, and that's the ticket. She is half German and has had her fair share of driving adventures abroad. Vanessa shares with us about the time that she took a turn so fast that she almost landed in a creek being told to get out of her car and sit in a police officer's car for speeding and having the opportunity to speed on the Autobahn. Let's meet today's driver, Vanessa Hennessy. Welcome, Vanessa. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to talk about driving. (laughs) We're super excited to hear your stories. And since you mentioned you have so many crazy ones, let's start with which one you would say is one of the most crazy or interesting driving stories. Yeah, we were talking before we recorded, and it's kind of hard to pick something because um, I guess I'll start by saying that when I learned to drive, I was living in the mountains of Colorado, uh, about half an hour west, meaning up a mountain from Boulder, Colorado. And so we got tons of snow in the winter and in the fall, actually, and sometimes in the spring. And so I learned to drive like in the snow, in the mountains, on dirt roads, etc. So I'm like, I know I have a bunch of stories. There was one time in particular where the road is very windy going up and down the mountain. Oh, no. (laughs) And I think I had had my license for probably two or three years by then. You know, I was a new driver, but not super, super new, but I knew how to handle ice for the most part. (laughs) And I just wasn't really paying too, too much attention. And I went around a curve and it was slippery and the curve was going to the right and I kept going to the left 
towards the edge of the mountain road that had no guardrail or anything. I somehow, what happened was my, they had taught me in driver's ed and what my dad had taught me just kind of like kicked in. And I was like, okay, I need to take my foot off the gas and look the direction I want to go, turn my wheel in the rec- in the direction I'm going. And somehow I just slowly glided up to the edge and just stopped. And I was like, ah, <laughs> because on the other side of the edge of the road was just a steep drop down into a creek. And I came so close to the edge and I was just like, oh my God, it was, it was crazy. And this time my car got stopped by a little tiny like tree that was a little baby tree and it got stuck under my car. The car was fine. I was fine, but I could not get out of the spot because the tree was holding me there. (laughs) Oh my God. You had so many close (laughs) calls. Oh my gosh. It's so scary. Now I drive much more conservatively when I'm driving down the mountain because I had a few experiences where I was like, I need to be better about this because there was a little creek right there. If my car had kept going, I might have gone into the creek. Luckily, the tree stopped me, but there was a house that was across the little creek and in the side of the mountain, so to speak. So I went and I knocked on their door and it was seven in the morning and I was like, I'm so sorry, but there's no cell reception there. And this poor woman was in her bathrobe and she was like, oh, no problem at all, dear. Come on in, have a cup of tea. Then uh, I think there were some guys coming down the mountain with a pickup truck and they I was in the house and they just happened to see my car stuck there. They hooked it up to their pickup truck with some sort of rope or something and pulled my car out without me even being there, which was so nice. <laughs> yeah, well, like, yeah, I was gonna ask like how did the car how'd you get the car out? Well, <laughs> but okay, someone helped you. Yeah, basically I left the house or I think I saw out the window that they had gotten there and they had seen my car. And so I went out and I was like, oh I'm so sorry. And they were like, oh, no, no, it's cool. We're just going to like pull it out for you. And I was like, oh, that's so nice. The car was fine. It had a little bit of a very minor thing on the bottom of the car that had to be fixed. But otherwise, it was fine. I can't imagine uh, living on a mountain. Since you did mention that you live in Canada now, has learning to drive in Colorado really helped you in being able to drive in Canada? Absolutely. So I lived in New Brunswick Canada for quite a while when I was doing university for four years. And it's very snowy there. My last two years, I actually drove my car from Colorado to New Brunswick. And New Brunswick is on the East Coast. So it's right above Maine, if that gives you an idea. So I drove my car all the way. And I just really wanted to have my car there because I was in a little tiny town. And it was just nice to have my car. So there it was very snowy, not as hilly as Colorado, but having the background of driving in the mountains, driving in the snow, driving in the ice, really helped. And then I moved to Vancouver for a while and Vancouver's on the West Coast. So totally opposite. And it's very mild, almost never get any snow, lots of rain. Now I live in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, which is in the middle and we get lots of snow here. So it's really good to know how to drive in the snow when you live here. So yeah, I definitely think it helps. Oh, wow. You've lived all over Canada. Yeah, it's kind of ridiculous. I'm hoping to stay where I am for a while. So I guess it's safe to say that you enjoy living in areas where it snows a lot? Vancouver was really nice because it was mild, but it was rainy a lot and dark a lot and gloomy and beautiful, super green. There were like amazing mountains, but Edmonton is nice because we get sun more. Even though we have snow, we get a lot more sun. 
That sounds like in the U.S. when you think of the rainy spot, it's like Washington. So Vancouver sounds like that. Oh, yeah. Super similar. Since you have lived in a lot of different places, have you experienced certain types of stereotypes or certain types of drivers in different areas? I sure have. I should also mention that this is something we can maybe talk later about, but I'm also half German and I have a passport in Germany and I've actually driven in Germany as well, which is a totally other experience. But for that question in particular, I would say, uh, I'm just thinking because I've driven, I've done many road trips. I've driven in many places. Vancouver is interesting because there are a lot of people from Asia there, specifically China or people who are, whose parents are from China, but they've grown up in Canada sort of thing. And it's really unfortunate because you get this stereotype of quote unquote Asian drivers, which I hate because this is stupid. We shouldn't be reducing people to stereotypes. However, Vancouver has a lot, not just quote unquote Asian drivers, but also people from all over the place, from lots of different countries. And you get this mix of different driving styles and different driving cultures. And that can really lead to weirdness sometimes. You get people who never use their turn signal or don't know how to use a stop sign or, and I'm I'm talking about any driver in Vancouver. I just feel like Vancouver drivers are not great. (laughs) You have all these different cultures coming together. So it's, it, it is interesting there. I've also, so I learned to drive in Colorado and Colorado drivers are not the worst drivers, but they're not the best drivers either. What they really like to do is on the highway, they like to sit in the left lane so that you can't pass. And it's super frustrating. And I'm like, this is not how the highway works. (laughs) You stay on the right unless you're passing, but nobody in Colorado does that. You get these, part of the interstate is eight lanes going one direction and eight lanes going the other direction and people are just hogging all the lanes and it's ridiculous. But in Edmonton, where I live now, if you try to merge, if you're like, oh crap, I have to get over to this lane so I can turn left here, they won't let you in. Oh, wow. Yeah. I didn't know that that's how Colorado drivers were. I know there are certain states that have laws where you're not allowed to drive in the left lane unless if you're going to pass. Is Colorado one of the, not one of those states? That's a really good question. I know I've seen signs that say, keep right unless passing, but I don't know if it's the law or if it's just they're trying to remind you to be courteous. Yeah, it sounds like it might be a rule there because I know we're in Maryland and we don't, I don't think I've seen signs like that here, but I've seen it in like New Jersey or like Pennsylvania. And it sounds like Colorado also has it where it's stay in the right lane unless you're going to pass and go to the left lane. So it sounds like that it might be the law, but then like people purposely just block the left lane that would be so annoying i don't know if they do it on purpose my dad always (laughs) says people here think they rule the road it's my road you can't come over here la 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 he gets really angry about it it is super annoying but it's not worth getting angry about I, i actually used to have road rage but now i feel like it's just not productive so i really try to stay calm when i'm driving Since you did say you drove in Germany, how would you compare driving in Germany versus driving in the U.S. or Canada? Well, speaking of hogging the left lane, if you do that in Germany, people will try to run you off the road. Not literally, but they will tailgate you. They will yell at you. They will give you evil, evil stink eye. In Germany, I'm pretty sure the law is that you do not hog the left lane. The reason is because when you're on the Autobahn, It's extremely fast. 
And if you're in the left lane and somebody's going 150 kilometers an hour, I don't know what that is in miles per hour. Sorry, I'm American, but I can't think in miles anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I've been in Canada too long. But if somebody's going 150 kilometers an hour and they come up behind you and you're just sitting in the left lane, that's super dangerous. Big no-no in Germany. Driving on the Autobahn is a lot of fun, but I... In 2013, I rented a car and it was the first time I had driven on the Autobahn on my own. I had driven before with other people in the car, like my parents, or I went on a business trip with a boss of mine and we decided to drive together and he let me drive. So this is the first time I'd ever driven alone on the Autobahn and I rented this very sensible, economical, boring car. But it still was able to go really fast. And I I decided to test the limits a bit because on parts of the Autobahn, there's no speed limit. So I was like, okay, let's see how comfortable I feel. So I'm like, okay, 120 kilometers an hour. I've done that tons. I feel comfortable with that. Pushed it to 130 and I'm like, okay, this is okay. Tried to push it up to 150 and I was like, okay, this is too much. It was just really interesting because you have to think so fast when you're going those speeds. Your reaction time has to be faster. Your planning time has to be faster. Like you have to be looking ahead of yourself on the Autobahn way more than you would just driving 50 kilometers an hour, 55, 65 kilometers, or sorry, miles per hour. Now I'm switching things. Jeez. (laughs) (laughs) Way to confuse everyone. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Actually, I'm curious, like 130 kilometers per hour. I I just Googled, so for all our American listeners, 150 kilometers is like 93 miles. There you go. I would never feel comfortable. It was pretty fast. I was like, this is not, not great. But, you know, in parts of Colorado, the speed limit might be 75 when you're outside of the cities. So for me, 75, sorry, miles per hour is pretty comfortable. If I'm going 130 kilometers, I just Googled it. That's 80 miles per hour. That's not too, too bad because it's just a little faster than like what I've been used to in Colorado. But even at 80 miles per hour, you still have to be really thinking on your feet. You still have to be really careful your reaction time has to be fast. So it was fun because I was like, wow, I've never really driven this fast consistently down the highway or on the Autobahn or whatever. But at the same time, it was a little nerve wracking. I'm still had people just zooming past me. I mean, there are people who go 200 kilometers an hour on the Autobahn. It's it's a little crazy. So it's, it's different there for sure. And then also driving in the cities was actually more nerve wracking because they have more, they have different rules. They don't have stop signs in Germany. They have, if you're like in a little neighborhood, you just have to know who the who has the right of way. They do a lot of traffic circles and you can't turn right on red. Actually, nobody taught me how to drive in Germany. My dad is American and spent a lot of time in Germany. I think he went to medical school in Germany for like 15 years or something crazy. So he taught me while I was learning to drive in Colorado also how to drive in Germany. So he would be like, we're doing this, but just so you know, if you're driving in Germany, that doesn't fly. So I always had that at the back of my mind and I kind of knew, okay, if I'm in Germany driving, I'll be okay. And it really helped. But I actually got a speeding ticket in Germany. (laughs) I was like, man, it was like in in the city and they have speed cameras. I don't want to say everywhere, but in a lot of places. And I was going, I think it was like 10 kilometers over the speed limit. So they sent me a ticket in the mail. (laughs) Anyway, it's, it's different for sure. It's not so different though. If you're American or Canadian and you drive in Germany, you'll probably be okay. You'll figure it out. It's not like driving in the UK on the other side of the road. It's not like driving in countries where, I mean, I haven't been actually to Asia at all, but I know that I've heard from people that it's a different experience driving in like an Asian country, for example. When you were in Germany, was it a manual car automatic? Because I know a lot of European and like Asian countries, it tends to be more manual cars over automatic cars. Yeah, it was manual. 
I learned to drive on automatic in Colorado. And then after I got my driver's license, I focused on learning manual because I just wanted to pass the test and not have too many things to think about during the test. Then I learned manual after and I love it. I actually love driving. It makes me sad that driving is so bad for the environment because I actually really like to do it. Yay, join the driving club. (laughs) (laughs) I know it's so bad for the environment, but it's so fun. I know. I really love road trips. Just getting on the highway and just taking these long stretches. I don't know. It's just so fun. So you were saying that there's no stop signs or like not many stop signs in Germany. So do you prefer stop signs or do you like the circles more? I actually really like the circles if people know how to use them because it really keeps the flow of traffic going. I find in Colorado, for example, like and here in Edmonton, well, actually, I'll take that back because in Edmonton, in a lot of neighborhoods, there are yields instead of stop signs. And I actually really like that because nobody really stops at stop signs anyway. (laughs) So why not just pause and look both ways, make sure it's safe and then go. It keeps the flow of traffic going better. In Germany, it was weird because it's if you have the right, like whoever's on the right has the right of way. I could be wrong about that. I can't quite remember. But it was nerve wracking driving through the neighborhoods in Germany because of that. But where there was a traffic circle, my dad had taught me in the state. This is how you use a traffic circle the correct way. Use your blinker when you're leaving the traffic circle to tell people that you're leaving the circle, all these things. He taught me how to do it in the like German or European way. And so that helped me a lot when I was in Germany. And it just feels like things move smoother that way. Yeah, I think traffic circles are a great idea only if people know how to use them. Because I don't think a lot of people here in Maryland know how to use them. Yeah, totally. I have found that in the States that people just don't really don't really get it. (laughs) Yeah, you did mention that you were taught to use your blinker in the traffic circle. Have you noticed that people actually do that? Because or at least here, I know that nobody does that. But when we went to Australia, I was so shocked (laughs) that like our uncle would turn on his blinker when he was entering the circle until he left the circle. And I was like, what? This is the way to do it. Yeah, that's interesting. In Germany, people definitely use their blinkers, not necessarily going into the circle, but definitely leaving the circle. I'm pretty sure it's the law. And if the police saw you, they could ticket you sort of thing. And in Germany, they also have those traffic circles that are two lanes. And we have a couple of those here in Edmonton. And it should be really simple to use them. But I get confused because I don't think the people, the other people are using them properly. So then I'm confused (laughs) about how to use it. (laughs) My understanding is you come into the traffic circle and there's the two lanes and maybe you're in the left lane or you're supposed to be in the left lane to go around the circle. But then you go over to the right lane to exit the circle and you use your blinker to exit the circle. That's my understanding. But people do this weird thing where they're like in the right lane and they just go around the circle all the way in the right lane. And I'm like, no, that's not how it works. So then it just ends up being this. So far, I haven't had an accident, thank goodness, and knock on wood. But it's this whole thing of, "Ah, am I going this way? Is this person coming over here? Am I going over there? It's just weird. Yeah, like they even have signs posted. I don't know if it's such a new concept here. People are like, oh my god, a circle. How do I go around it? I want to keep going straight. So there's two lanes, but people will just drive straight through. And it's like, no, there's lanes. It's a circle. (laughs) Like, Don't go straight. That sounds dangerous. It's very dangerous. There's lots of accidents that happen ever since they put in these circles. Oh, no. Yeah, it seems confusing. We also have a small traffic circle near our neighborhood where we live. And it's a small circle. It's just one lane. But 
for example, if I'm going straight and I need to turn left on this street, but there's a circle there, the way the circle, I think it's because of the size of it, it's so small, using your blinker to leave the circle almost doesn't feel right because you feel like you're just taking a left, a normal left. I don't know what's up with traffic circles. They're so confusing. Yeah, it's like you might know the rules, but then the other person might not. So you might confuse them in the process and they're like, what's going on? Exactly. <laughs> so switching gears a little bit. Haha, <laughs> switching gears. Yeah. Pod- you didn't do that on purpose. <laughs> yes, I did. I was thinking about it. <laughs> but diving a little deeper into the type of driver you are, I know we started to get a little bit of a picture of the type of driver you are. And I feel like I know what you're going to say to this question, but I'm still going to ask. When you're given the option, would you prefer to be the driver or the passenger? The driver? <laughs> you're so hesitant. <laughs> I thought you were going to be so sure. I thought you were going to be like 100% driver. But <laughs> that I drive a lot. If my husband and I are going out in the same car somewhere, I end up driving because he's not super keen on driving. He also had an ankle injury that is never going to be 100% resolved. So he uses cruise control for just even short stretches on the highway, which is like, ah, to me, it's weird, but I understand. I end up driving a lot and I actually don't mind it because I do like to drive. I was just hesitant answering the question because I'm like, sometimes though, it's really nice to have my husband drive because then I don't have to worry about it. (laughs) That's true. I'm not a bad backseat driver. I don't yell at my husband and tell him what to do or not to do or whatever, but I also don't feel 100% comfortable if I'm not the one behind the wheel. Yeah, I can totally understand that sometimes where you're sitting in the car and you're like, oh, my God, hit the brakes, hit the brakes. (laughs) I'm like that with my parents. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) if they're driving, I'm like holding on to the the well, I only know a non clean version of the handle that's above the door. (laughs) Well, that's a great segue into our next question. How would you describe the type of driver that you are? And would you say that your family and friends would describe your driving in the same way? Good question. I think I would describe myself as a defensive driver because I feel that I'm really aware of what's going on around me all the time. I make sure to check my mirrors often and I'm always scanning side to side with my eyes. All that stuff that they teach you in driver's ed. I'm like the perfect driver's ed student. Just kidding. (laughs) I don't know if that's true. But yeah, I just try to really pay attention and make sure that I know always what's happening. And my dad really taught me to be that way. So I would say that I'm a defensive driver in that I will see somebody else doing something stupid. And depending on the situation, I'll just like let them do the stupid thing. (laughs) And I actually think my friends and family would say that as well. Like my husband and I have actually talked about it. And he is like, I trust your driving completely. You're a great driver. I do know, though, that sometimes he's nervous because I probably sometimes should start braking sooner than I do, like at a stoplight. Well, that's good to hear. Would you consider yourself someone who is a honker or would honk at others? Oh my god, I'm the worst honker. I never honk. And I probably should. (laughs) I feel you. I feel you. (laughs) It's more that when something is happening where I might need to honk, I'm so I'm so hyper alert about what's happening that I forget that honking is something I should do because I'm just like, okay, I'm paying attention. I'm seeing what this person's doing and what that person's doing. And I'm watching and whatever. And it just doesn't, doesn't occur to me to honk. I don't think I am much of one. Also, I know there's people who like, if somebody takes like two seconds too long to accelerate at a light, they're like, and I'm just not that kind of person. Oh, we are exactly the same. I'm always like in those situations. How do I get out of this situation? I don't even think about honking. Yeah, that's interesting. I hadn't really thought about it until somebody asked me. (laughs) 
Well, speaking of honking and annoying drivers, what would you say is your biggest driving pet peeve? I'm like, if I were driving right this second, I would be able to point it out to you really quickly. But now I have to think. I think the hogging the left lane thing is really annoying because it really disrupts the flow of traffic. Like I was saying in Colorado, like in Denver, there are these seven lane highways. And in theory, having more lanes would get rid of congestion, but it doesn't work that way. Because people are just sitting in the left lane, let's say like middle and then the two left lanes where they're just sitting there and you can't get around them. And then people start passing on the right, which I feel is actually really dangerous. And I find driving in Denver, for example, nerve wracking because sometimes I'll be in a lane and I want to go to the to the right lane, the lane next to me. And people will just zip into that lane, barely use their blinker. They might use it for two seconds or not at all. And then suddenly I'm almost hitting this person. That is so annoying. And then another one lately that I've really noticed here in Edmonton is the whole like not letting people in. And it even happens when you're just driving normally and you're planning ahead and you're like, oh, in a couple streets and a couple lights, I will have to get, I will have to turn left. So I'm going to get in the left lane now and still people aren't letting you in. It's not always... The situation of, oh, no, I suddenly need to get in this left lane because I forgot I have to turn here and then they won't let you in. It's just all the time. And I find that so frustrating. It's like, come on, people, just be courteous. It won't kill you to slow down a tiny bit. You don't have to stop. Just just slow down a bit to let somebody in. And I'm like really fired up about that because it's really annoying. But Canadians are supposed to be so nice. I mean, I'm not going to say Canadians aren't nice, but there is definitely this idea that Canadians are super nice and passive, which they are in some ways, but in other ways, not always. Let it out on the road. And at hockey games. If you go to a hockey game. So earlier, I know you mentioned that when you were younger, you used to have road rage. Do you remember a particular instance where you had road rage and has anyone ever had road rage towards you? I can't think of a specific situation for me like me having road rage. I just know that I would get frustrated and I might yell at people if they were going too slow or whatever. But I think I also just had really bad time management and I wouldn't leave the house on time for things and it was just stressful all around. But I will tell you a story of somebody having road rage in front of me. I was driving in Vancouver actually and I was coming up to a light and I stopped behind two cars. There were two cars in front of me and everything was normal. Until suddenly, one person got out of one of the cars, went to the other car, that person lowered their window, and then the first person punched him through the window. What? (laughs) And I was with my roommates and we were like, what just happened? It seemed so out of the blue. And we were like, what? It just didn't, I don't know. But it was really uncalled for, in my opinion. I was like, okay, I'm going to remember the first three letters of the license plate. You remember the last three. And we called the cops when we got home. Yeah, that was that was something. That's crazy. So he just went up and punched him and then they just went about their day? Pretty much. But we were like, nah, we're gonna we're gonna report this. That was stupid. Yeah, like, okay, I can see if someone's angry, they come out and they start yelling at each other or whatever. But him going to the point of actually punching the other person? Oh, yeah. That's like one step too far. It was ridiculous. <laughs> so now that we know the type of driver that you are, let's go back to your driving first. How would you describe your first time driving experience and who was it with? Probably my dad, because he did a lot of my driving teaching. (laughs) 
I did have some driver's ed classes in between because that was going to give me cheaper insurance. (laughs) But most of it was with my dad. I believe the first time I drove was in our old Prius. I was probably 15 because that's when I could get my learner's permit. And I think we just went to a parking lot and did the typical, here's how you turn left and right and don't bump into people and stay between the lines. But the thing that's really memorable for me was the first time that I drove stick. And my dad had my grandfather's old Oldsmobile. I don't remember the model, but basically it only had an AM radio. And it was old and musty. And the clutch was, it was the worst clutch to try to start learning manual on. So it was very frustrating. And I remember stalling over and over and over again. And I just got so frustrated. I was like, I'm not doing this anymore. And I just stopped right then and there and was like, nope. So how was the actual driving test part of it? Did you pass the first time? Was it easy? I did pass the first time. And I remember going to a different town that's about 20 minutes away from, I didn't do the test in the mountains because I was talking about growing up in the mountains. I did it, not in the mountains. (laughs) Let's just put it that way. It's hard to describe (laughs) the geography. But I decided to do that because I knew that town wasn't going to be as busy in terms of volume of cars and traffic. I remember I had a harder time. One of the things I had a hard time with was staying at at a consistent speed For example, if it was 25 miles an hour, I remember like creeping up to 27 and then having to go back down to 25. And the car had the the speedometer display was up in the front where everybody could see it. Oh no. And it was, it wasn't a needle. It was actually numbers. (laughs) So she could see when I was going 27 and not going 25. So she docked me a couple points for that. And then there was a time in that test where I came up to a four-way stop. And I stopped at the stop sign like you're supposed to do. And then there was a woman, an older woman crossing, crossing in front of me, but across the street. But I went a little bit into the intersection without waiting for her to cross first. And she docked me for that too, which is kind of stupid because everybody does it that way, really. Yeah, Yeah. but not on the driving test. No, I guess not. (laughs) Did you have to parallel park? I did not. It's funny because people have told me about how they had to parallel park for their driving test. And I was so excited and happy that I didn't have to. I know that here in Canada, most of the provinces have like a graduated license system where you get your learner's permit and then you get your, in British Columbia, where Vancouver is, it's called an N. So N for new driver. And you can only have one other person in the car with you for a certain amount of time. And then you get your final license. And when you're a new driver in Vancouver or in British Columbia, you have to put an N sticker on your car and all this stuff. But in Colorado, it was get your permit at 15. To get the permit, you do the written test. And then at 16, you're allowed to take the driving test and then you have your license. It was pretty easy. Oh, wow. So then it's everyone knows that person is a new driver with the N on the car. Yeah. And I think they do that on purpose so that A, you don't get as frustrated with them and B, you can watch out for them because they might do something stupid. <laughs> I feel like a lot of people we've asked of all the guests that come on, they didn't have to parallel park. And it's so shocking to me because that's one of the things we had to do here. And I'm shocked how many states or tests don't require that. I know in Texas you do because my cousins, when they got their driver's licenses, had to do it. So when you did move to Canada, was it just a simple transfer your license or did you have to retake any part of the driving test? It was a simple transfer of the license as long as I could prove that I'd had my license in the States for a certain number of years. And then if I had only had my license for like 
two years or a year. I can't remember exactly what it was, but then I would have had to take lessons. And I'm really glad I didn't have to do that because it would just be frustrating at the age of 36 to have somebody try to tell me how to drive. (laughs) In there with a bunch of young drivers trying to get your license again. Uh, Yeah, I wouldn't want to do that. Do you think that parallel parking should be required on all tests? I think yes, even though I didn't have to do it. I think it also depends on where you are. In Vancouver, you have to know how to parallel park in order to park pretty much anywhere. Whereas in Edmonton, you almost never have to parallel park. So it probably just depends on where you are. But I think it's a really, really good skill to know early on. So why not? (laughs) Why not make people parallel park? Make everyone else do it, but you didn't have to. Well, I mean, it's more like back then I was like so happy that I didn't have to because I knew my cousins in Texas had to and that kind of thing. I knew my mom in Germany had to for sure. But now looking back, I'm like, eh, it probably makes sense to have it on the test because it's a really useful thing to know. Yeah, especially if you're going to travel or drive to a different place and that's like your only option. What are you going to do with your car? Just keep driving around? Exactly. (laughs) So I know earlier you mentioned you got a speed camera ticket in Germany, but I know you also shared with us that you had an interesting ticket experience in Texas. Yes, it was very weird. I was driving, we were going on a road trip from Colorado to Texas to visit my dad's family and I got pulled over by a state trooper. No, actually, I don't think it was a state trooper. I think it was like a local guy. And I was only going a few over. I remember it was maybe like 55 and I was going like 58. It was not very much. So he pulled me over and my dad, I remember him being like, oh, it's probably because he has a quota to fill because there was like nobody around. It was ridiculous. So the guy comes to my window and it's all normal license and registration. And then he's like, come with me. And I'm like, what? What? And I looked at my dad and I'm like, do I have to go with him? And he's like, you probably should, which I still to this day, I'm like, dad, what the heck? Like I, as a parent would have been like, no, you're staying, you're staying. There's no reason for you to go with him. But I was like, okay. So I went with him and he made me sit in the passenger seat of his police car while he wrote me a ticket. Wait, what? (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. And I was under 18 and I'm female. (laughs) I mean, I was scared. I was like, what is this guy going to do to me? Just because my parents are there doesn't mean he's not going to do something. It was not cool. I've never heard of that. Where you, they ask you to come into their car? And that too in the passenger seat? They're just like, yeah, just get in the front. Yeah, it was very weird. My first thought was like, am I under arrest? This is so strange. So yeah, I went and sat and he wrote me the ticket and then he gave it to me and told me to leave. But something that I think is really important for people to know is that there are numbers you can call if you are worried that like, for example, if you're out on a dark street and it's midnight, there's nobody around, but a cop car comes up behind you suddenly and wants to pull you over, you have every right to call these numbers that you can find. I'm sure it's a different number in each place, but you can call and just be like, I just want to verify that there is actually a legitimate police officer on this street pulling me over because people impersonate cops and people do horrible things. And you just need to be safe and you need to advocate for yourself in that way. I'm really glad that that is an option because at that time, I mean, it was broad daylight. My parents were in the other car, but I didn't know what was happening. It was scary because I was like, what is he going to do? Drive me off somewhere? Is he going to assault me? It was strange. In today's time, it's a big don't get out of your car. Like, that's the big thing. Like, you're not supposed to. If you start to get out of your car, the police officer will be like, what are you doing? But The fact that he asked you to get out is just like, I guess because it was a while back, but still, that's kind of weird. (laughs) Absolutely. And that's why I say the thing about call whatever number to find out if you're legitimately being pulled over. 
Well, that's good to know for anyone who's listening and is in that situation because I have heard of a lot of situations where people have impersonated police officers and it can be scary because it's like you want to trust the police officer, but at the same time, it's like, are they a real police officer? You don't want to be in that situation to be able to to have to decide is this legit or not. And especially if you have to make a decision super quickly, you want to just know that it's okay. The advice that I've gotten is just keep driving. If a police officer comes up behind you and wants to pull you over, just keep driving until you can call that number. And maybe you can set it as like a speed dial or something just to have it. Hopefully you'll never have to use it. But what if you do? Yeah, it's important to prepare for those emergency situations before it actually happens. Because like you said, in the moment, you're going to be like, now what do I do? But if you already have it ready, then you can just go with whatever plan you had laid out. Yeah, absolutely. So I know earlier we were talking about how you love driving. We also love driving and how if it was environmentally friendly, that'd be awesome. With the future of cars turning into self-driving cars and possibly being more on that environmentally friendly route, what are your thoughts on this? And would you be comfortable getting in a self-driving car? I've thought about this. I actually, on my podcast, That's the Ticket, we talked about this in terms of traveling and wouldn't it be cool if you could just get into a self-driving car and go for a road trip and you wouldn't have to take a bus or a plane and it would just be your little car on your own. Wouldn't that be nice? And I think as long as there had been lots of testing and there had been lots of proof that a self-driving car is safe or as safe as it can be, then I would be comfortable because when you drive on your own, things can happen. It's not 100% safe. No matter what you're doing, it's not 100% safe. I keep thinking back to this story my dad told me where his great grandfather, I think, in Mississippi was this car salesman, cars were super new, came into town and was like, I want to sell you this car. And apparently my great grandfather was like, show me that it can go up that hill and I'll buy one. So it makes me think along those lines. With new technology, people are always skeptical. So as long as something is tested and proven to be safe most of the time, yeah, I would get in one. Bonus question time. Okay. If you could make one new driving law, what would it be? Oh, that is, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> that is such a good question. I was not expecting that. All the power. Yeah, no kidding. For some reason, all the things that come to mind are things that are already laws which is probably why they're laws. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that would make sense. Like I'm like, oh, daytime running lights should be required. Oh, wait, they are. At least here they are. <laughs> okay, this is not something that is totally out of left field. So here in Alberta, and I know they have them in the States too, there are these groups of people. I can't remember what they call themselves, but they're basically these people who have these huge exhaust pipes on their on their trucks and they spew really awful black smoke into the air. And their whole thing is being against environmentally friendly anything. And a lot of them here in Alberta are people who work in the oil industry, which is a big industry here. And they're really scared that electric cars and they're going to get rid of their livelihood and they won't have a job anymore. It's all based in fear. And I know that there was a climate rally somewhat recently, maybe in the summer here in Edmonton. And a bunch of these people and a bunch of people who were truck drivers came to the rally and just parked near the rally and just spewed this stuff into the air. And I was shocked that that wasn't illegal. (laughs) So that's the law that I would make is I would make that illegal. 
Yeah, I think I heard in California they're hoping by I forget what year to stop selling gas cars, cars that use gas, and like hopefully start pushing towards that electric vehicles. And then I think I also heard in I don't remember which European country, but they're also pushing if your car has above this limit of pollution, hmm. it's not going to be loud or something. So it's a push towards that, hoping to be environmentally friendly sooner rather than later. And that's a great law to put into place for that. Yes, I actually just looked it up, and it's called rolling coal, and it's basically people retrofitting their diesel-powered trucks to purposefully spew black smoke into the air as a statement against climate change. There's a bunch of people here that do the same thing. I don't know why people do that, yeah. but you can't change everyone, right? No. Yeah, I really like that law. I hope it goes into effect soon. <laughs> Thank you. Do you have any final thoughts or any tips that you would like to give other drivers? I think a lot of tips that I could have given were probably expressed when I was saying how frustrated I am with certain ways that people drive. Don't do those things. <laughs> but it's been really fun to talk about this because I feel like driving has been something that's been so a part of me because I've lived in places where you have to have a car. And it's nice to just talk about it and have people be like, yeah, you know, driving actually is pretty cool. Yeah, I, I would definitely, I really wish that driving was more environmentally friendly because the act of driving is fun. So hopefully things are really moving that direction. And it was nice to be here. Thank you. Yeah, we're super glad you came on. Before we let you go, we love being able to support one another. And I know you have two different podcasts. Do you want to tell us a little bit about it and where can our listeners find it? So I've had a podcast for about five years called not another X-Files podcast podcast. It's about the X-Files, in case you didn't get. My co-host Carolyn and I, we talk about episodes and other X-Files related things. It's a lot of fun. I also have a newer podcast with my friend Renat, and you guys actually had a little clip that we played on one of our recent episodes, which was awesome to have you involved. Our podcast is called That's the Ticket, and our subtitle is A Podcast for People with Itchy Feet, <laughs> a travel podcast for people with itchy feet. We talk about travel, so you can find that one at thatstheticketpod.com. Well, thank you so much for coming on. It was fun talking to you and hearing about your crazy driving stories and your experiences in Germany, U.S., and Canada. It's always fun to find another driving fan. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much. That road rage incident that Vanessa was describing or that she witnessed, I was like crazy. I would never have expected to hear or see that happen. Like someone getting out of their car and punching another driver. That's kind of what you would think about, like, you would think you would see on movies or in shows. If you saw that happening in front of you, would you have done what she did and, like, think to call the cops or actually call the cops? I would like to think that I would, but who knows what I would do. You, obviously. I can neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> but you didn't even what do the raging. I can neither confirm nor deny I witnessed what I would do what I would do if I would call the cops I feel like I mean that's the right thing to do what would you do I don't know I feel like in the moment I I would be like if anything happens you're like huh exactly (laughs) exactly I am frozen I would be like what do I do what do I do like you know I would be so shocked that I saw that happening plus I don't know the one time we've had to call the cops and report an incident I or not just once I feel like we reported an incident two or three times by now I just feel like we don't get the response that we would get 
if we weren't a person of color, personally. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that's just because it's just where we live, but yeah, I don't know. I'm hesitant to have to deal with cops. Yeah, so I don't know what I would do. But have you ever actually experienced road rage? Yes, I have. And I don't know why, but this dude randomly... I was on my way to university. It's always when we're coming or going from university. Yeah, all our stories happen. (laughs) I don't know. That's the most driving we've done. But I was going to class in the morning and I don't know what I did to anger this person or if he was already angry and like, you know, just venting it on me he can neither neither confirm nor Nor deny his feelings at that moment i don't i mean what caused them i know what his feelings were at that moment but i turned into this residential area because that leads to the school and i was at the first stop sign and this guy comes and he stops behind me and i once the second i start going he starts yelling and losing it and i'm like i don't know what just happened there's nobody at the stall side <laughs> what did i do is he yelling at me i was like i don't know what just happened and so they kept going i'm like oh i don't know maybe he's just talking to someone on the phone and he's just angry and then i get to the next stop sign and then he like gets on my bumper and then he starts pointing at the stop sign and starts yelling and i'm like don't understand what's going on why are you yelling at me and so i start freaking out and in my head i kind of had this thought that maybe i should turn at one of these stop signs to go down the side road because it kind of connects back into the the road i was on and that way he'll be in front of me but i didn't i'm like i totally should have because then out of mind right (laughs) like you don't have to follow me anymore but what what if he turned there too i know then i was like i'll just go back towards the main road and make a big circle like make a big circle like you're drawing a circle on the road (laughs) and so i just kept going and then every stop sign there was like three or four of them he would just come on my bumper and like start yelling and like pointing and i'm like i don't know what's going on why are you yelling at me i didn't do anything wrong i'm like i'm stopping you're obviously not because you just keep rolling through the stop signs just just to follow me. And I was like, I don't know what's going on. And so then it finally turns into two lanes at the next stop sign. And he like goes so close to me, like he's going to hit my car and I'm freaking out. And we're at the stop sign. I'm like, don't make eye contact. Don't make eye contact. He's already angry. And then I had to look right because it was a four way stop sign. And then I was like, uh, <laughs> I'm not looking at you. I looked right and he lost it. And I'm like, uh, time to go. It's my turn, right? <laughs> and then he like hit the gas and like cut me off so close and then zoomed off. And of course, my luck at the next light, he was stuck in a red light oh, and I no. had to come behind him. And then I was like, I went very slowly. I was going like two miles an hour and I'm like, turn green, turn green, turn green, turn green, turn green. And then it turned green and then he went. And so I was like, okay, I'm not stopping behind you. Okay, bye. And I got his license plate and everything, but I didn't do anything with it because I was like, he's gone. I don't want to ever see that person again. I don't know what your problem was. I didn't do anything wrong. Just go away. Thank you. That affected my whole day. I was just kind of like shaking the whole time because I'm like, I didn't do anything wrong. What was wrong with that man? Luckily, I have not experienced road rage at all. And I hope I don't. Lucky. <laughs> yeah. Lucky. <laughs> yeah. It's not fun. At least I had the, like, rational... Ra- I don't know what to say. I was able to think clearly enough that I'm like, hmm, maybe I should turn down this road. Maybe I should do this. But, but you didn't. I, I didn't, though. <laughs> I got the thought. I should have listened to it. 
yeah. I, I I do that a lot. I get a thought, but I don't listen to it. Like mm-hmm. a gut feeling. It's like I should have, but I didn't. Yeah, that's you. To a yes. T. All right. Well, that was Vanessa's stories. <laughs> if you or anyone you know has any crazy driving stories and would like to come on the show, we'd love to have you on. You can fill out the interest form on our website at drivewithuspodcast.com. And be sure to stay tuned until the end of this episode for a sneak peek of next week's episode. And don't forget to come hang out with us on our Discord server. Thanks for driving with us. And now, a sneak peek. Daughter and I were going to go get Starbucks. For some reason, I don't know if it was construction or it was an accident, but it was at a standstill. And so we're sitting there and we're just kind of talking. And this car decided that it didn't want to wait. So it went off to the side and then cut down through the grass to get to this side road off of the highway. And literally drove across, almost hit a semi that was taking that other side road. And we're just we're like, what is he doing? Oh, my gosh. And then people started following him.